book of 1 Timothy. We've been studying on Paul's instruction to Timothy, his counsel to Timothy as a, as a young minister. Last week we, we started in verse 19. This, uh, tonight we're going to finish in verse 19. We talked about holding to that faith and, and how easy it is to turn loose, how easy it is to stop, to, to give up, to allow this world to, uh, to loosen our grip on that faith. And whenever Paul told Timothy to, to, to make sure that you are holding that, that is to, the, the ING means that you are currently doing that. He didn't say to hold to the faith, that means in the future. He didn't say uh, to make sure that you're, all, you're always held uh, the faith. He said, holding the faith, and, and that is current, that is right now, that is at all times, that is in our present. Uh, we cannot change the past, we cannot see the future, but we can affect the present. And that is where Paul is, is telling Timothy to live, to hold the faith in the per current present time. And in verse 19, tonight what we're going to try to dive into is, uh, is Paul says, and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. You ever seen somebody ruin their life? You ever seen somebody ruin their, their name? One of my favorite verses growing up, and, and it was always preached to us. I'm not sure if it was one of the first verses I ever learned, but I was in the seventh grade, and I was asked to do a, a, a devotion at the Bible Club meeting. I joined the Bible Club that year. And I was asked to, to bring a devotion, and, and one of my favorite verses in Proverbs uh, Solomon says, he said, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And love and favor, love and favor rather than silver and gold. And that verse has always meant a lot to me because why would somebody choose a good name over a winning lottery ticket? That's, that goes against human nature. Uh, but it don't go against God's nature. He said that we have, we have influence through our name. And, and once that is broken, once that is done, it is extremely difficult to get that back. It really is. And here Paul is telling Timothy to hold the faith and a good conscience. And he says, some has put this away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. They have absolutely and completely crashed their life. Uh, I told some of you a while ago, but uh, we, uh, we processed chickens today in school. It was something that these kids had never seen before. They, uh, most of them lost their mind, but uh, they, they, did, they did pretty good, all things considered. I mean, what you do? We processed chickens. What does that mean? That means we killed chickens and we processed them. Uh, we, 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 we took and, and, and wrung their neck and uh, most of the heads came off. And whenever that happened, the, the chicken began to flop around. Y'all know how they do. Uh, the saying, the old saying goes, running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Uh, and that's what happens whenever a Christian loses that faith, loses that direction, loses that moral compass, loses that good conscience, loses that guidance from the Holy Spirit. And it's easier to do than we would think. It's very, very easy. And I know I've used the, this phrase here, and uh, I, I used it this morning and a preacher kind of looked at me funny and he made me explain what I was talking about. But I've said here before that, that we like to sin. 
In myself, I love to sin because it makes our fleshly man happy. It, it is fleshly, uh, carnally appealing is, is the words I'm looking for. Carnally appealing. But it is not appealing to the spiritual man. It is not appealing to the, the new man that God has created whenever he saved us. And so that spiritual warfare, yes, we fight a war out in the world, but we also fight a war in ourselves. And holding that faith and having that good conscience is part of that war. Holding to that, to that guidance system, making sure that God is always the Lord of our life is part of that. Because if we lose that, uh, the song says, like a ship without a sail, which direction do they go? Whichever way the wind blows. It's very, very easy to get blown around. Very, very quickly. Like a chicken with their head cut off. They, they can't see. They don't know which direction to go. They flip-flop. They run toward anything. They, they just they go crazy. There's no rhyme or reason. It, they lose it. And Paul said, Some has put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. And then he goes into two of them whom I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. He said two people lost their faith. They lost their good conscience. They lost their guidance system. They, they lost the, the God that was directing their life. And that is a whole lot easier to do today than we would think. How quickly can we get away from God and get into flesh? Somebody ever pulled out in front of you in traffic? How quickly do we lose our good conscience? Uh, I, I don't sleep real good about three nights a week. The rest of the week I'm in a coma. Uh, but this last night I didn't sleep real good. And about 3.30 I got up and, and got my chickens loaded up and left. And uh, Friday of last week I was the same way. I, I couldn't sleep. Uh, so I got up and went to the box plant and worked a little while. And, uh, a guy caught me in the front. And he said, what are you doing here this early? I said, I couldn't sleep. He said, you got a guilty conscience. First time I, I, I got up and I woke daddy up on my way out. He texted me. He said, you must have something on your mind being up this early. Can't sleep. Whenever we have something on our conscience, it's, it's something that, that bugs us, something that bothers us, something that keeps us up, something that nags us, something that won't let us go. Whenever we mess up, the Holy Spirit does that. It, it, the Holy Spirit will take sleep from our eyes if, if we're not right with God. It, it'll bother us. It'll bug us. It, it'll get in our it, it'll get in our life, and, and they call it an earworm. It, it'll just sit there and bother you until you figure it out. That is part of having that good conscience. We know the difference in right and wrong. The problem is that, that there's a word, and it's uh, it's called spontaneous, and and we can plan. To have a really, really good year. We can plan to follow God. We can plan to allow Him to lead our life. We can plan to, to do exactly what He wants us to do this year. Through this whole year, I want God to direct my life. But it's those spontaneous decisions that get us in trouble. How many of you, and, and I don't want you to raise your hand. I hope you wouldn't. How many of you plan to sin tomorrow? Do you plan to sin tomorrow? I know we probably will. But do you plan to? Do you intend to? Do you wake up in the morning and say, let me figure out how I can sin today? As a Christian, that is not our intention. That is not the way we start the morning. We should start the morning praying, God help me not to. 
We get up in the morning and we don't plan to sin. So why do we? It's those spontaneous decisions. It's whenever that light turns from, from green to yellow and you punch it and you break the law. And then you see the blue lights and you mumble ugly words to yourself. Or you burn your hand on the iron and it's, it's all of the sudden. It, it don't take very long for us to, to be overwhelmed by one word is rage. Another word is pride. Another is stubbornness. Another is covetousness. How quickly can we be having a great day, a wonderful day, and all of a sudden see something that somebody else has and just get mad that they outdid us? I was talking to a guy last week. I went and put him in a generator. He, uh, he said, is this the biggest residential generator they make? I put him in a 22KW. He said, I said, no, they, they make a 24, and actually they make a 25 now. He said, well, I'm going to give you the phone number to my brother because whenever he sees this, he's going to want the 25. And he sat there and explained it to me. He said, every time I buy a new truck, he figures out what kind of truck I got, and he gets the next step up. He said, if I go buy a new gun, he figures out what kind of gun I got, he buys the next step up. Whatever I do, wherever I go, if I go on a trip, he goes to a trip that's a little bit better. A little bit bigger. He cannot be outdone because he sees what everybody else has and then it just eats him up. Covetousness can take over in a heartbeat. It can take over in an instant. Jealousy, envy, desire. Everything is going great. Everything is going wonderful until you see something you shouldn't see. David was having a really good morning until he found himself up on the roof where he wasn't supposed to be. And then all of a sudden, what happened? David's life changed forever in an instant because he saw something that he desired. Spontaneous. He, he, he no longer had that good conscience. I, I think about it a lot. And it seems like kings could commit murder and, and not get caught, but, but Nathan came to David and he said, David, thou art the man. Why did David have Uriah killed? David was the king. So why did he have Uriah killed? You ever done something and then tried to cover it up? I know you have. Why do we try to cover things up? Why do we try to do it? You ever hit a mailbox with your truck and then go back and stand it up and hope nobody notices? If the wind blows it over, well, the wind just blew it over. whoop de doo You ever mess something up and then hope, hope and somebody else notices? There's an old commercial that used to be on TV a lot. It was a uh, it was a daughter had dented the dad's car, and she got a sticker that said "Number One Dad" on it, and put over the the dent, and hope nobody noticed. We we try to cover up what we do wrong. Why? Why do we try to cover it up? Because it it gets us, it it bugs us, it bothers us. We no longer have that good conscience. We no longer have that clean conscience. We're no longer we're no longer guiltless. I use that word very carefully because at no point in time in our life have we truly been completely and totally innocent. We've always been sinners. But God can forgive us of our sin. Whenever we mess up, God can forgive us. And, and that causes us to have a feeling of guiltlessness. Guiltlessness. 
where, where we don't feel feel guilty. And, and that's what Paul is saying about this good conscience. He said, hold this faith, but also hold a good conscience. He said, because if you hold a good con conscience, you won't end up like these who put away concerning faith. And it's now running around like a chicken with their head cut off. I know I've told the story here about the guy with the, the pillow that walked up on the mountain and cut the pillow open. And told the guy standing next to him, he said, go pick up all the feathers. The guy said, I can't do it. He said, well, that rumor that you spread about me, that damage that you did to me, I'll never be able to pick it all up. I'll never be able to clear it out. One person can ruin our good name, but you know who usually ruins our good name? Me. Who usually messes up? First John said that there's, a, there's three specific things that we can trace all sin back to. I say there's one. It's all lust. It's all desire. It's, it's all what we want. Pride is lust. We want me. What I have. What, I, what I've built. What I've done. They got that rich man straight to hell. God said, thy fool. This day shalt thou soul be required of thee. And then whose will all of these things be? Desire got David's house in trouble forever. Desire got Achan and his family killed. Desire, disobedience, dependence upon them all on selves got the children of Israel 40 years in the wilderness. Cost everyone their life except for Joshua and Caleb and the youngins. All because of, because of lust. Because of what they thought. Because of, I, I know better than God. We don't. And whenever it comes down to a good conscience, it comes from holding that faith. That's, that's the reason it's back to back. It's, it's not here on an accident. And then in class, we're studying the fruit of the Spirit. And I asked the kids, I said, do you think God accidentally threw these up here in a random order? Or do you think that, that the fruit of the Spirit begins with love for a reason? <laughs> That several kids said, oh, it's random. The fruit of the Spirit begins with love because you cannot get to joy until you understand love. You cannot get to peace until you have love. You cannot get to long-suffering until you have love. It's, it's there for a reason. God put this here for a reason. When Paul was writing, he said, hold to that faith and a good conscience. Hold to that good conscience. Keep that good conscience. What's the easiest way to keep a good conscience? Before we answer that question, what is the hardest thing about lying? People can lie with a straight face. Can you lie with a straight face? If I tell you I can fly, I can do it with a straight face. What's the hardest thing about lying? Mama always told us, don't lie. Because then you have to remember it. And it will come back to bite you. The hardest thing about lying is, is keeping up with the lie. Keeping up with the facade. Trying to make sure that nobody finds you out. <clears throat> oh, what a tangled web we weave when we practice to deceive. Very, very, very quickly can a lie turn into another lie. And another lie. And then we can't remember them all. And then we get found out. What happens whenever you catch somebody in a lie? Does it affect your perspective of that person? 
Daddy always told us, he said, I trust you until you give me a reason not to. And once that trust is broken, he said, it'll take you twice as long to get it back. And it's true. You look at people different once they lie to you. You look at people different once they steal from you. There are people that you know that if you invited to your house, you wouldn't leave your wallet laying on the counter. There are people that you know like that. There are people that I know like that. I taught at a school and in the beginning, most every year, I, I tried to leave some money laying on my desk and I had cameras in the class. And I, I wanted to see who would take it. I wanted to see who was a dishonest person in the class that I had to watch 24-7. Because there's always somebody with sticky fingers. And they call it entrapment. Maybe it is. But dishonesty is dishonesty. Stealing is stealing. Lying is lying. It creates a, a feeling of creates a feeling of recklessness. Of being a shipwreck. Running around like a chicken with your head cut off. It creates a person. It creates a, a, a image of you that the world sees. And these names stick with you. We were watching a movie in class the other day, and it, it uh, a historical fact. It was a historical movie. A historical fact come up, and it made a lot of sense. We all remember who assassinated John uh, President Lincoln. Uh, we all remember John Wilkes Booth. We, we we nailed it. Not a problem. But have you ever heard the phrase "His name is mud," meaning his name is is scratched. It's it's nothing. Uh, the the guy Mud James or Samuel Mud something like that. Anyway, his last name was Mud. Was one of the co-conspirators of uh, of the assassination of President Lincoln, and he was later cleared, proved innocent, but his name had already been smeared. And to this day, it, it, people say his name is Mud, and it, it stuck with him that even though he was proved innocent, even though everything had changed, it still stuck. It still made that difference. It still held there. And today, if, if we ruin our good conscience, if we ruin our good name, if, if we allow the world to see something in us that is not godly, what is the church known as today? If you ask the world, what is church people? What are church people? I get two answers. Before I started teaching in a Christian school, I got two answers. Now the people don't say this. Now some of them do. But there's, there's two answers for what are church people. The easiest to hear is the Bible thumpers. You've heard that before. Church people are Bible thumpers. I wouldn't mind being called a Bible thumper. I wouldn't mind that at all. The second one bothers me very, very much. You ever heard church people called a hypocrite? Why do church people get called hypocrites? And I'm lumping church people into a group. All church people everywhere. Why, why do church people get called hypocrites? Because they're one person in here. And they are a different person whenever they walk out that door. They are a kind, loving, sweet person. We all know people like this. I have people like this in my family. I have people like this in my life. My wife has people like this in her family and her life. We all know people like this. That are kind and loving and sweet as long as they're around church. But you get them in a Marvel parade. And they get hammered. They get mean. They are kind and sweet and love and do anything for anybody at church. But don't you ask them for a dollar on the street. They'll cuss you every way from Sunday. People are different. 
Inside and out, people are very, very different. Paul says to, to hold to that faith and to maintain, to hold a clear conscience, a good conscience. The only way to do that is to live a good life, but a life that we are not convicted of, a life according to the Bible. Chapter number 2, Paul begins to encourage Timothy. He's told him, he's all down through chapter number 1, he's told him what you ought to do, what you not ought to do. And in verse number 9, he said, you know the law. He said, you know what you're not supposed to do. You know what God requires of you. Verse 18, he says, I charge you to commit thee according to the prophecies which went on before thee that thou mightest war a good warfare. He said, you know what to do. You know what has to happen. You know what is coming. We've been taught what is right. We know what is there. We, we know what we are supposed to do. We know how we are supposed to live. We know the path that, that God has set before us. We may not see where it's going, but we know the difference in right and wrong. We know where we're supposed to be going. We know where our guide is. We know what, what our life is supposed to, I'm not going to say look like, but pretty much look like. We know when we're in the right and we know when we're in the wrong. We know when we're going to get in trouble with God. We know what we are to do. We know what we aren't to do. Holding to that faith, maintaining that good conscience is part of being a disciple of Christ. Two and a half years ago when, when I started filling in here, we started studying on Wednesday nights, discipleship. And the first step in discipleship is, is maintaining that attitude of salvation whenever we give our life to Christ. Whenever we get saved, we, we give our full faith, trust, everything, Jesus. That's it. All of it. We give it to Him. We believe on Him with all of our heart. But salvation is a beginning. Salvation is not the end. Salvation is not a get out of jail free card. Salvation is not fire insurance. I thought that was an excellent quote, but that's not what salvation is. Salvation is the beginning. It is the starting point. And we grow from there. We start from there. We, 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 don't, we can't backslide. We can't slow down. We gave our life to Christ whenever we were saved. And, and Paul is telling Timothy, and throughout the entire book of 1 Timothy, Paul is telling him, you have to give your life to Christ every day. You've got to live a life for God every day. You've got to, to hold to that faith Every day. You've got to maintain that good conscience. Every day. Or you will end up like a chicken with your head cut off. With no direction. With no compass. With no guidance. Just aimlessly wandering around. And that's no way to live. For a child of God, that is a life without substance. That is no way to make it. I will have a verse for a song.